0: Hello, and thank you, Osman, for the introduction and the invitation. I'm really honored to speak here on the same panel like experts like erkai and Zerchuk. And uh, I'm a bit intimidated now after all this very profound talks we heard now. So my talk would be, uh, would go not so much into depth and theoretical depths, more from the practical view that we experienced during our now long ongoing uh, involvement into NFTs and blockchain technology. Um, so let me check here. So, in my talk i want to touch uh, a few points first of all i will start with um, how zkm came to blockchain and uh, how it became one of the museums uh, one of the first museums worldwide to um, actively engage in collecting nfts and uh, then i will talk about uh, a special kind of nfts that we Think are really special and different. And um, so, if you read, and we heard this in talks in John's talk before, and uh, if you read about NFTs, people often equal said it equal to uh, it's it, as if it would be a category of art or something, but uh, actually, that is not really correct. Like, um, we learned from John: NFTs are in most cases not equal to the digital image or the asset that is that you are looking at, and they are mostly just a cryptographic certificate that um, you trade, that you can trade and possess, and um, not directly linked. or or the image itself is not stored in the blockchain, but there are some cases um, in which the the blockchain itself becomes the medium for creating the art uh, in ways that may not be possible without it. So um, I want to talk about the subcategory in the NFT space called on-chain NFTs. And after that, we will get even more practical with um, some story that some of you might have read in the newspaper. So what does it mean to be the owner of an NFT? And what could you always? So what are the concepts behind this ownership term in the context of um, NFTs? And last but not least, I will tell a bit what we experienced in our daily lives, handling NFTs in the museum. So, uh, ZKM for those who might not know, is one big media art museum or a museum specialized in media art. It was founded in 1998 and with the mission of uh, continuing the classical arts into the digital age. Um, our founding director, Heinrich Klotz, had a vision of a place where art and technology could meet, where art and science inspire each other and break new ground. Um, ZKM moved into this building, you see Hallenbau, in 1979, and now has 15,000 square meters of exhibition area, different integrated departments. One to mention is the Herzlabor, dedicated to research on Current and interesting topics such as AI and ML and others. So, um, of course, ZKM also owns a large collection of contemporary media art, which is one of my um, jobs to keep alive for the future. So, um, but for telling the story how we came to NFTs, it's important to first look at, to look back to 2017 when we um, had this exhibition coming up called Open Codes. Um, So ZKM hosted this exhibition from 2017 to 2019 and it dealt with current topics of science and research and how they influence the art, the concept of the exhibition was to bring the often abstract topics of current research closer to the visitor in an artistic and participatory way. So thus, in addition to the actual exhibition, an extensive program of workshops and lectures was offered and you could even play table tennis in the exhibition. The exhibition itself uh, was created by Yasmin Kieskintepel, Livia Nolasco Rosa, Rosas, mm. Blanca Gimenez, and Peter Weibel, of course. And uh, I personally had the chance to implement an idea in the context of this exhibition that I carried around for quite some time back then. I was really early fascinated by the process of mining uh, cryptocurrencies, so using a completely senseless calculation process, which so senseless is maybe the wrong term, but uh, actually uh, it hasn't any otherwise useful outcomes as securing these uh, blockchains. Um, so trying to guess an arbitrarily formulated condition with a double hash function um, by brute force, so you but this would uh, translate energy into currency or or value. So uh, I thought this is quite fascinating and I wanted to show this to the visitors. So we built this uh, small soundproof compartment in the exhibition space which contained minor specialized uh, computers which do only one job, which is uh, computing this hash, uh, this SHA, SHA algorithm hash function, two times, actually. Um, and you get a share of how, depending on how much uh, compute power you uh, you um, have, you get a share of, uh, if you, you take part in a pool with other people mining, and then you get a payout from this pool with uh, cryptocurrency. So you can see on top here, we have a newspaper, some decorations, uh, decoration. It's actually the original, the times from the 3rd January January 3rd 2009 which was the date where the first bitcoin block was ever mined the genesis block and the headline you can see there chancellor on the brink of second bailout of banks is a, is a string that was also um, stored into this genesis block as a proof of uh, time so that you cannot date this genesis block further into the past than the release of this uh, newspaper. Uh, It was quite hard to get it, actually. There's not few copies left and not many copies left. But this was an original. So, and in the screen, uh, you can see the uh, in the, the compartment, you can see screens where it's just showing stats like how much hash rate compared to the energy consumption and uh, how much value you generated in what last 48 hours, uh, 24 hours. Um, so we uh, used the value that was generated by this small mining farm uh, for workshops and. What does that mean? So we, we made, actually, I did three workshops over the time of the exhibition where we, um, oh, that's so, where we tried to uh, teach people, um, the participants, how to use cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. And uh, how do you do this? Actually, it's the easiest to, to just give them money like bitcoin and let them try it themselves so we handed out small paper wallets with a small amount of bitcoin and every participant had to uh, install a wallet on their own device and import those the private key from the wallet and and then start transferring between neighbors and, and just uh, getting in touch with the technology without fear without any fear and uh, Learning by doing. So um, part of the value we mined was uh, gifted away. Then another part we used to uh, invest in this early thing called NFTs, which started 2017 or or at least got bigger publicity in 2017. So um, I. I read about this game called CryptoKitties, where you could breed and collect uh, funny cat pictures on, on the, uh, based on the blockchain. And if, depending on how, what features they had, you could combine them. They had a DNA, and, and uh, then the DNA could mutate. And also, if you join two different fitting DNAs, you get a very rare new kitty, whatever. And um, after that, we also bought our CryptoPunks back then for quite cheap money. I guess we paid around $100 per Punk. Now, of course, or in the meantime, there have been much more in value. But back then, it wasn't even clear if this would uh, be worth the $100 um now that we owned nfts we also of course had the idea of displaying them in the exhibition space and so we uh, set up a, a dedicated space in the museum with which would show special crypto related art so we had uh uh uh, uh no What's the word? not a collector yes actually a collector who uh, who owned some of these um physical crypto punks there are 24 of them which just are prints signed by the artists and uh, connected with this uh, extra certificate by um, in a in a paper uh, with a wax seal on it so the private key is in there, and um, also we had these two works from Kevin Abosch and IYY, Priceless Moments, um, who tokenized moments they sp- they spent together. So uh, it's uh, sharing tea and I'm the cryptocurrency, what we see here. Um, OK. We did also a few meetups where we invited interested interested people to to just discuss the topic. And we had uh, Kevin Abosch in person talking about blockchain as a method, method as a guest in ZKM. So that's how it started. 2018, the crash came, 2019 was still quite quiet around crypto so um 2020 it got interesting again so i read about um, this platform which would come up uh called ArtBlocks, which does on-chain nfts and stuff like this and uh so i started to to get back into this and so um we we Used some of the remaining values we still had to buy some early uh, art blocks uh, on chain NFTs. Art blocks is a platform which invested a lot of uh, knowledge into building a platform which enables artists without uh, the knowledge to build their own smart contracts to uh, deploy um, algorithmic art, generative art um on the blockchain by uh, using a web platform that they pr- provide so it was quite revolutionary but they were not the first doing on-chain nfts there have been several other people doing it before i will go, come back to this later here we see uh, what what where the title of this uh, talk comes from, Um, crypto art, it's not about the money. It was in uh, April uh, 2021, when we did this exhibition in the middle of the lockdown pandemic, uh, just was on the peak. And we had to close the museum for two months. And this was the only window we had to the outside, showing uh, on our LED screens some of these uh, NFTs, which we didn't all own, but some of them we were in contact with a lot of collectors who gave us the right to show their NFTs in this exhibition. So it's just this LED screen showing different works of uh, generative art, some of them animated, some of them just static images, but all of them created by an Algorithm which has its code itself stored in the blockchain. So um, this one is the title of the talk, the image used for the talk, I guess. <laughs> so on-chain NFTs, generative art random but deterministic, which you might think a oh, random but deterministic, that's somehow not working, but um, maybe I will, too, look like John had did before, maybe much more uh, in-depth than I will. What, what would be a normal NFT? So if you go to OpenSea, you have always the possibility to open the Details tab. And then there is one, the, the smart contract address, where you can watch, uh, look into the code, which is uh, used to um, mint. artwork and then there is a token id where which you can click to get the metadata of this uh, nft and this mostly looks something like this so there is an array of values key key, keys and values and then there's a link to some uh, image but as you can see in this example it's a, a server from nifty gateway so a normal web web storage, um, not even decentralized like, uh, or not even distributed like the EPFS would be, as which is then, in the meantime, normally used as a, a way to store an NFT or the asset belonging to the NFT. So. Um, one funny example I want to present is this project from Moxie Spike, who is the creator of the Signal mes- Messenger. He's an absolute beast in cryptography, cryptography and uh, also a fun guy to listen to in talks. But he made this project where he uh, released his own NFT, which is uh, then just uh, looking different, depending on the platform you watch it. So if you if you look at the same NFT on OpenSea, it looks like this. If you look at the same NFT on rarible platform, it looks like this. So two different images, and uh, if you uh, look into the metadata, he also wrote there you may own the result of this function call, but I own the function. So he just put a dynamic function as a target for the, the metadata link and uh, delivers whoever requests. Depending on who requests the, the image, he, he deliver, delivers a different image. So it's possible to have this uh, happening. If you buy the NFT, he said, I can approve it. You might see this in your wallet. Um, so also, again, different. So what would be the difference with an on-chain NFT NFTs on-chain NFTs are have the the, the uh, all the information that you need to generate it's mostly generative uh, algorithms which produce some kind of uh, image or animation or even audio and um, So it was pioneered again by John Watkinson and Matt Matt Hall, who also did the CryptoPunks. So they, in 2019, released the first on-chain generative um, project called Autoglyphs, which used the Solidity smart contract behind it to uh, produce just a random, not a random, but in a, a very restrictive way, they produced a string of ASCII um, characters. Uh, if you use this string and uh, display it in a with a rule like every 64 tasks, uh, signs you do a line break, then you get an image like this one we see here, you have to um, use a certain font to see this same image like here. But the information used to create this image is created by the smart contract itself, so it's stored in the blockchain. So there's a function inside the smart contract, also with the comment. The following code generates art, and this outputs the the ASCII string, which then defines this specific version of the autoglyph. Of course, you have to need you need some seed to to make it deterministic again, so to decide which jars to use, and uh, also in which combination. And uh, the seed you get, I'm not 100% sure how Autogluse, how, how Autoglus did it, but uh, normally you use something like the transaction ID, which is generated in the moment where you buy the NFT. It's a hash, which is then also uh, forever stored in the blockchain with the smart co- with the token itself, and um, you can use this chaotic hash number to pick out some parts of it and generate numbers out of it, which you can then use as parameters for your algorithm. So here is one example. That's the output of the smart contract. You can all try this yourself on Etherscan, which is a blockchain explorer. So next we see. Um, the first first ever Artblocks project released by the creator himself, Snowflow, a.k.a. Eric Calderon, who is the person behind the Artblocks platform. He had this vision of this idea of generating um, of of making generative art uh, in the blockchain. And he invested a lot of time and I guess also money to built this platform which then slowly started in 2020 with this project he did it as an example and you see uh, below the picture you always see the corresponding transaction id which was uh, generated when someone bought this thing and depending on this number you you see a different version of the same algorithm so it's Or it's, again, not uh, different tokens. Actually, it's different tokens, but it's always the same algorithm with different parameters. Um, So maybe before I go to the other ones, uh, it's interesting for for us as a museum collecting uh, generative art or computer art for more than 30 years now, to see this happen, because it's actually something like the missing link, which wasn't there before for generative art, where you say it, there's this discussion going on about, is the computer the artist? Or it, actually, it's not going on anymore, but um, it was um, where you said, uh, OK, uh, the, the the artist writes the algorithm and then the computer produces the art. but uh, it was always still with the artist in the loop so you could press reload for a hundred times till you get an outcome that you like and the others got just uh, ditched so there was still some curation going on by the generative artist by the computer artist himself and um now with a approach like one chain nfts generative art it's uh a different approach. You, you, as an artist, you create your baby, your algorithm, which you then deploy to the blockchain. You define some uh, key uh, some parameters, like the addition size, 100 or 1,000, and then you let it go, and other people will um, mint. And you don't have any uh, curation possibilities in the aftermath it's uh, totally out of your hands. So you, as an artist, create a a project which, actually, the artwork is the whole edition size, in my opinion. So it's not only one token, it's mostly the whole edition, which then gets, gets distributed to different persons. Okay, so other examples for on-chain NFTs is like ABASTARS, which would be the first profile pick PFP project, um, which is fully on-chain. So it's SVG data, which uh, layers of SVGs, which are stored in the blockchain. And then um, the characters are constructed out of these layers in a random way. also the background, of course, and then there is something like Nate Alex chain faces, uh, which is very minimalistic. He's just using uh, ASCII signs, or is it ASCII? I don't guess. I, I guess it's more like Unicode or whatever. Um, simple strings which uh, make faces, but all the information is, of course, generated and also stored in the blockchain. Also by Nate Alex, quickly what, what the fuck or VTF um, is even before Artblocks did the first release 2020, They he, he made this project also with SVGs or layers of SVGs uh, and tr- transform functions um, based on smart contracts. And also, he was the first to play with this concept of minting uh, that you, as the creator of this um, hub, uh, blockchain project, could also play with the process of distribution it, or the process of selling it to uh, the collectors. Um, he he Created his own auction system, making it making it somehow like a small performance, which also adds to the artwork itself. So, um, <laughs> and last but not least, uh, the on-chain cats, which is a project which was done by a student who we who worked. Uh, who did his master thesis about lending smart contracts or smart contracts for lending NFTs and um, he was in close contact with ZKM on how uh, normally this is done in the traditional art world where you have exhibitions and collectors lending artworks for exhibitions for the duration of the exhibition. And he was thinking about how to do this in in the context of NFTs, where you could fully automate it in a smart contract to say the ownership is somehow uh, transferred or limited uh, transferred for a limited time to a different wallet, and then after this it will return automatically to the. Um, lending person so but he learned so much in this project during his uh, work that he in the end he released his own on-chain project which is this funny cat pictures which are actually animated gifs but also this is uh, uh um this animated gifs The code for them is also generated by the smart contract. So it's not something that is stored somewhere else. So, But the function generating the code, which then produces the animated GIF you see on OpenSea or whatever, is produced by the smart contract itself, which as far as we did our research is the first time someone implemented this animated give generator in Solidity or in a smart contract. Okay, um, now it gets a bit more theoretical. Um, concept of ownership. Um, so what? So how is the ownership defined in the context of a normal, normally anonymous structure like the blockchain? So first, maybe when you look at it from a heuristical point, um, as far as I know, it is completely unclear, in Germany at least, how the possession of an NFT is uh, regulated by law. There is no law as far as I know, so how, whatever um, that would apply to it, because theoretically, in in According to German law, you can only own things that you can touch. <laughs> it sounds funny, but uh, everything else is um, not really uh, regulated in the law. And um, so how do you, even in the, in the case of, of a token in the blockchain, it's even more complicated than uh, maybe your private data or something like this. Um, because how would you define the ownership of something which is not connected in any way to personal data? So normally you have this wallet which defines your, you You own a wallet by owning the private key which is belonging to it and um, this makes this is all there is that you could use to define who owns some NFTs. So in Luxembourg there's one i think in europe it's the only country who has thought about this and they have this blockchain law where they define that it really is just knowing about the private key is what defines you as the owner of the nft but what happens if you are not the only one who knows about the private key what what makes this the the owner? Who, who's then the owner of the private key? Or what happens if nobody knows about the private key anymore or never? Or the the the, the, the NFT is transferred to uh, this uh, wallet where nobody has a private key for? Actually, this is something. Uh, a story I have to tell, because it happened to me that when we reorganized our wallets uh, in 2021, I made a mistake and sent two of the CryptoPunks, two of the four CryptoPunks we owned back then, to an address which actually was not our own wallet, but the address of the CryptoPunks smart contract itself. So this is a valid wallet address, but it's not connected or nobody owns the private key for it because it's just used as a deployment address for the smart contract. So um, those two crypto punks went on an endless holiday, which uh, they are now still, at least it's a couple. So they might have fun together in this place, wherever they are now. Actually, we know where they are. We just not uh, have the possibility to transfer them anymore. Um, or to sell them anymore? We didn't want to sell them anyway, so it's not really terrible for us. But and also, it broke, brought up some really um, interesting questions, which uh, I already mentioned. So, how would you define the ownership? Do we still own the, those um, crypto punks? Um, because we sent them there, it was us who, who put them there, but we don't have any uh, possibility to do anything else with them. Um, you could also say we we put them in a super secure vault forever. So we took them off the market. We rescued them from speculation. Um, so this was by accident. You could also say what? Uh, what if I want to do this? I could uh, just create an address by uh, by um, using some a concept like nothing up my sleeve numbers, which I learned from uh, by talking to Alexander Reben from Stochastic Labs, and he he uh, said, "Yep, yeah, it's easy. You can uh, generate a valid Ethereum address by tra- by um, translating a, a, a sentence." into hex values and um, it just has to be 42 numbers and then you can um, always prove in a cryptographical way that this key this address is existing but you will not find anyone who has a private key for it so you can put stuff there and it will never go out again. So uh, this is owned by ZKM would be an example for this. There's others where you use the like DEAD, like dead, 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 you can use this as an address or whatever. Some people call it burning in NFT. I'm not sure if you can say this because it's still there. It's just not accessible anymore. So you're burning the value maybe connected to it. That's the speculative value. Um, I have to speed up a bit, sorry. Um, Management of NFTs in a museum's context. This will go quite quick. Um, So how you manage access to the private keys in an environment of a museum. So it's not uh, easy to do this in a in a, a secure way, because you always need to follow the four eyes principle, where you need to do you somehow best would be you prove that it's not possible for one person alone to do anything with the with the your museum's wallet so you need to implement a multi-signature wallet where you can define structures like uh, two out of three um, private keys or uh, two out of three um, people need to have access or need to sign a transaction so you get, uh, this 4i principle um, by design so then of course the private key shouldn't be on your laptop you should store it on something on a safe device like a hardware wallet where you can um, where it's just off your computer so even if you get hacked and the tr- screen capture software gets installed or keylogger or whatever you the, the hacker doesn't get any access to the private key itself because it's on this USB stick or this USB device, which is encrypted itself. Um, or you use a paper wallet like the one we designed for our workshops. Um, so, Also, one interesting last, maybe f- almost last aspect is um, could you say that the wallet that we now uh, have for set up for the museum is like a depot for art where you can define this is your collection no it's actually actually it's not possible to do this because it's an intrinsic uh, thing of, of ethereum or every blockchain that you cannot decline a transaction it's not uh, possible you, you on the receiving side, you will always be uh, passive. So everybody can send you transactions. And so it's like if your museum's depot, if you define the wallet as your museum's collection, um, is open to everybody. And uh, of course, there's uh, others. So this is just a recent. Snapshot of what we found in our wallet recently, which is just some random images we never collected, they are they appear in the wallet and it's like spam in the mail, but um, so you cannot do anything about it, except you could transfer them out of the wallet again, which would um, cost you money. So also uh, the the image rights we heard about already um, we know that we don't have that we do not get image rights by buying the token so for now we still contacted almost every artist we have an NFT from to uh, make a traditional paper contract which just um, regulates our right to, to show the images in the context of an exhibition in the museum or even online. and so this isn't we, we cannot uh, depend on the the ownership of the NFT to have this regulated. Um, also of course we have to pay taxes so all this, Uh, ...crypto transactions need to be integrated in our accounting system, which is really difficult if you are a state financed foundation so. um, Yeah, I did a bit too long, so thank you for listening and.